0: Send forth your spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A mighty wind sweeps through this room. A mighty fire lands on each one of us. A mighty power given this day, the Almighty's power on Pentecost. The mighty wind tells a secret, one carried to the clouds, one striking mountains, one hitting the tallest trees. A secret of experience, experience of the world no one can imitate. Perfect power always, a mighty wind, a messenger of peace on its own terms. A mighty wind sweeps through this room. A mighty fire lands on each one of us. A mighty power given this day. The Almighty's power on Pentecost. The arrival of the Holy Spirit today wasn't wholly unexpected by the disciples. After all, Jesus promised it. Jesus promises that after he ascends that the Holy Spirit of God would be poured out upon the disciples. Today fulfills that promise. But the result of that fulfillment was wholly unexpected. Imagine new gifts to communicate, new abilities to preach and heal, new ways to unite people. New ways to actually see the world as God sees the world. That each person is treated equally, loved equally, cherished and valued equally by God, by Jesus. And this ability, this ability to see is passed on to the disciples today. The flames of fire, as in tongues, evoke a sense of inner holiness present in each one of them, even when they might have not known it at the time. These flames of fire, as depicted in as God's glory, it's not a wholly unique story in the Bible. In fact, Fire is used in so many ways for the ancient of people, the ancient people of Israel. As a guide, it's used as a protector, as a witness, even as a blessing. But the story is making a bold point about the fire of God and where it now rests. You see, in Jesus' time. The religious practice of the day was obsessed with following rules, dotting every I and crossing every T, because in doing so, it was hoped the very presence of God, the Shekinah of God, the presence of God would dwell among the people, especially evidenced by God dwelling in the temple. Let me back up. In the first temple in Jerusalem, built by King Solomon around the year 800 BC, the tradition tells us that when the temple was finally completed, there's this great depiction of this in the second book of Kings. When the temple was finally completed, the full presence of the Almighty God filled the Holy of Holies. And several readings, several accounts tell us that the glory of the Lord had shone all around. And this language, glory of the Lord, usually depicts God's glory by describing bright or blinding light. Remember that story about the shepherds at Christmas when the angel of the Lord brings the glory of the Lord to the shepherds and they are, as the King James Version says, sore afraid. This same blinding light. Okay. So this blinding but beautiful glory of the Lord's presence is in the first temple in 800 B.C. But guess what? This temple gets destroyed about 200 years later, about 586 B.C., more or less. The whole thing is plundered and then burned to the ground. And there's nothing left. So the people decide around 516... To rebuild. They rebuild this new temple, and this is the temple that Jesus prayed in. It's the temple that the disciples went to. This is the temple that the first century Roman world knew. But herein remains a big problem. That glory of the Lord that filled the first temple, yeah, it never happened in the second one. Never. So the people developed these elaborate systems of purification and sacrifice, thinking that if they did everything right, perfectly, that the presence of the Holy One would once again occupy the Holy of Holies in the temple. But it didn't happen. Now fast forward. Jesus, crucified, is now risen from the dead. He tells his disciples that he will soon no longer see them, but he will send his spirit to be with them. So he ascends up into heaven, and the disciples do exactly as he says. We have two accounts of the ascension. One, they go and they devote themselves to prayer. The other, they go to the the temple and are continually blessing God. Same kind of concept. And then, today arrives. The glory of the Lord, as in tongues of fire... God's glory now no longer rests in a building or in a locked upper room or in a hidden place. Not doesn't reside in a place for safekeeping, but rather this Hebrew concept of the kavod Adonai or the way that the Greeks described it, the doxa tu theu, that is the glory of the Lord, now rests upon Jesus' disciples. And how quickly this changes everything The holiest presence of God now dwells with regular human beings. Right where they are, maybe in a locked upper room or in a crowd of strangers or in a gathering full of the most diverse cross-section of humanity possible, the holiest presence of God now dwells with us, upon us, In us, God's Spirit has now been put upon us now. And so the disciples break free from being being private about their willingness to follow Jesus. Peter, St. Peter, who's often depicted in biblical stories as either getting things really right or really wrong, suddenly he can stand up and speak with eloquence and boldness to a crowd of people. Later on in the story, other disciples start setting their face on other lands. Still others stay in Jerusalem and they advocate for the protection of orphans, widows, those in their society who had no voice. They all begin to take on a ministry because the Holy Spirit gave them the ability as they had need. The Holy Spirit called them to a new reality of what life can actually be. And the Spirit does the same thing to us today. We even have a witness to this. We have a witness to this subtle and gentle but pervasive prompting of the Spirit when we celebrate a baptism today. The baptism of Margaret, Lillian, Gaspar, And through that baptism we're not only summoning the Holy Spirit to be with us, but we're witnessing the Spirit calling parents and child into a deeper reality of being, into a place where we're all drawn closer together and given a new assurance of a promise that we continue to inherit, the promise of God's Holy Spirit to live and to move and to act among us in our lives. We recognize this by the lighting of our Paschal candle, by the lighting of a baptismal candle that we will light in a few minutes, that the tongues of flame are not ever extinguished. These tongues of flame are not ever extinguished and that the power of God is not going to be stopped in the world because you are in the world. You as the disciples of Jesus, you as the people of light and love, As the people who bring healing into this world, you bring the light of God and the tongues of fire of the Holy Spirit with you everywhere that you go. Bringing a message of peace. A message of what's traditionally called the fruits of the Spirit. A message of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Spirit is is renewing you and giving you these things as we speak. What will you do with such gifts? This might be tough news considering what we've heard that has taken place in London. And so with the help of the Reverend Andrew Kane, a friend of mine who's a priest in London, I offer his observation for today. Let us not kid ourselves that our faith is ever going to take us out of the world with all the risks and fears inherent in our society. Though, of course, in worship and prayer, there will be moments when we see beyond this world to the glory that is ours in Christ. But if we have to live in the here and now, but we do have to live in the here and now with all that goes with that. Every one of us here has been in the position of wishing that God would take from us some challenge and hurt and danger that we have struggled to face. The promise of our faith is not that. The promise of our faith is not that God will take away from us in this world, that in some way simply because we pray that all will be all right. I'm sorry, I cannot promise you that, And God doesn't promise you that. And if anyone does in the name of God, they're lying to you. What is promised is that God will be with us, alongside us. And the gift of the Holy Spirit will be in us in order to equip us to endure. And perhaps even we might dare to hope to flourish. The Holy Spirit gives us the spiritual gifts that we need to face the challenges of our day. The glory of the Lord now rests upon you and gives you joy and love and peace and forbearance and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those tongues of fire, they rest upon us. Giving us new gifts of communication or ways of reaching out, healing, uniting. Giving us a new way to see the world. To see the world as God sees the world. What will you do with such empowerment? A mighty wind sweeps through this room. A mighty fire lands on each one of us. A mighty power given this day. The Almighty's power on Pentecost.